Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi everyone, welcome to Dance History. We've gone back to the archives now and we have taken out an episode that's a particular favourite of mine. It was an amazing opportunity. I took my family, well, in fact, my wife, who is a criminal justice campaigner, she took me and my little daughter to meet someone wrongly imprisoned on death row for 28 years. His name is Anthony Ray Hinton. He has now been released by the state of Alabama, and he is an extraordinary and powerful campaigner for forgiveness and for justice. He was incorrectly convicted of the murders of two restaurant managers, John Davidson and Thomas Wayne Vasona in 1985, and he was released after nearly 30 years after he won a retrial. The evidence against him was flimsy to non-existent. So in this podcast, Anthony and I talked about his experiences, talked about racial justice in the US, in the Deep South. We walked the streets of Birmingham, Alabama, a place which saw so many of the remarkable incidents that have become familiar to millions of us from the great clash for civil rights that took place. And I was overwhelmed, really, by his generosity, his lack of animosity, his determination to live a good life, despite the fact that so many years were taken away from him. He wasn't allowed out of prison to go to his mother's funeral. I hope you enjoyed this episode in which me and I suppose my daughter as well. We asked Anthony lots of questions about his experiences and what he learned. If you wish to go and listen to other back episodes of the podcast that aren't available on this free feed where you're listening now, you can go to History Hit TV. It's our digital history channel. And we've got hundreds of hours of documentaries on there. We have got thousands of podcasts on there without the ads. And for a very small subscription, you get to subscribe to the whole thing. It's join the revolution, folks. It's going to be awesome. Please follow the link in the description of this podcast, and that will take you right there. I am gearing up. I'm actually gearing up, in fact. I just bought a pair of very nice cold-weather boots because I'm on my way to Antarctica. History Hit is on the expedition to find Shackleton's missing shipwreck endurance, and you'll be able to follow all our adventures here on the podcast, on our social channels, and, of course, eventually on our TV channel, History Hit TV, where you'll be learning about exactly what goes down on the expedition. In the meantime, folks, here's Anthony Ray Hinton. Enjoy. So, Ray, where are we now? We're at the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. And then we've oh. got, is that the 14th Street Church? Is it's only 16th Street 16th. Baptist Church. We've got mm-hmm. the 16th Street Church. Baptist Church, yes. And white 
uh, extremists blew up that church? Uh, they did. Uh, I think it was on a Sunday morning. Uh, they was getting ready to attend Sunday school and for a little young black girl between the ages of five and I think uh, maybe eight uh, lost their life that Sunday morning. Uh, the bomb was set off by the Ku Klux Klan uh, back in the early 60s and that's where it was. And, Do you remember what uh, was Birmingham like in that time for you growing up? Uh, Birmingham was perhaps the racist uh, city or state of Alabama uh, as a whole, but Birmingham was sure enough racist. We had this uh, man by the name of Bull Connor, who was uh, the commissioner police chief, and he hated black people with a passion. I mean, I don't even know if hate would even be the proper word to say. Uh, he sick the dogs on them. This is uh, Kelly Ingram Park right here. And they set the horses, the dogs from the fire trucks, sprayed them with water. And uh, it was just a mess back then, uh, the way black people was treated, just because they was born black. You know. what's, uh, what's interesting about your story, though, is that people sometimes think maybe Martin Luther King came here and, and fixed it all. But, but you were subject to discrimination what, in the years after this? Absolutely. Like the problems weren't solved. Oh, the problem is not solved, and they never will be solved until people learn that we all was God's creation. We all uh, is here for a reason. Uh, there is no black here, there is no white here, and we might as well try to get along here. I have never, to this day, understood racism. I have never understood what would make a human being hate another man simply because he was not born the same color that he was. I find it rewarding that we are different in ways. I mean, I can learn from you. Hopefully you can learn from me. And uh, I do believe that this world is big enough for all of us to enjoy it together. And uh, where all this hatred come from and why, I just don't understand it. When, when lots of other people come here, I come here and think, oh, this is a happy place and Dr. King was here. And for you, is this a hollow place? Because because you have it, these problems persisted and then you end up being in prison for 30 years, partly yes. because of racial prejudice. Absolutely. Uh, don't let... Uh, this might not be 1964 and 65, and, uh, although we're in 2020-17, uh, racism still exists very much in this country. Uh, it exists more so in the South to me than other place that you could ever imagine. It is just done now on the cover better. Uh, I often tell people that the Ku Klux Klan took off the white robe and put on the black robe. They have more power now to do whatever they want. Uh, white men of uh, pure hatred become judges. They become police officers. They become everything to show and to become more and more hatred torture. And now they have the law on their side because they are the law. And where back then it was just mobs of people. But now, uh, look at how black men are being killed in this country. And so to me, racism haven't uh, went away. It's been here all along. It's just coming to full circles now. But you still think what those those 
campaigners out here, those demonstrators, the people who followed Dr. King, you still think they were doing an important job here? They oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, I'll make no mistake about it. Oh, I think we have come a long ways. But the sad segment of it all is that we still have a long ways to go. I mean, people from other countries, they read about America. They see uh, how you can come and make a decent living. You come and see all the good. They don't know the bad. And once they get here, they after years or whatever, it might not take that long, they start seeing exactly uh, the bad. Uh, you take the Mexicans. You take uh, anyone of color. Uh, they come here and... That's why they is treated just as bad as the blacks are. Um, you know, I don't know what it's going to take, but this is not a white world. This is not a white, uh, predominantly state. We just all got to learn to get along, and we got to all learn to share whatever we have. So we're just looking at we're just looking at some of the exhibits in the museum here. It's like the sixties were a crazy time in the South. Oh, uh, the sixties was showing up some crazy time. I mean, as a black man, you couldn't ride at night. You couldn't. If you did, you was acting to be killed. You was acting for trouble. Uh, everybody thought that you was a part of a third coming of the world. I mean, just being black, you could be uh, not even involved in the pickets or the. Knowing bus ride, just the fact that you was black was uh, a reason enough for the police to pull you over, kill you, beat you to death, or whatever. I mean, uh, I never seen so much hatred than I had at the age of eight, nine, and uh, my mom used to try to explain it to you. And how do you explain what's going on to children? Uh, all they know is how to go outside and play and, and try to enjoy life. But this is what was going on. And even today I ask, what was it all about? I mean, what was it so bad that the black man had to endure all of the harsh treatment that they went through uh, simply because the color of their skin? And as Martin Luther King said, if we're wrong, then God Almighty is wrong. And I mean, he created us. And those same men that would sit there and beat you because the color of your skin is the same men that was blown to some church and believed in God and, and worshiped God and praised God. And uh, But outside of that, they I guess they felt that God made a mistake by creating a black man. And, people just don't understand what black people have been through and what black people go through and they think that we truly have overcome but really and truthfully uh, we haven't overcome anything Uh, we still have no power when it comes to equal justice we still have no power when it comes to uh, making decisions all all decisions are made from white people Uh, make no mistake about it so uh, right there in Montgomery where the decision making is made yeah you have some black senators but they don't even have a voice where they can get any kind of bill passed through think about it let's say there's 15 white men and there's 14 black men and we have to put this up to a vote for something if the 15 white men stay together who win? they vote and this is what we have so all the all the decision making all the law that is made and created white men make them and so that's why I challenge people to tell me where have we progressed in why haven't we got a little closer to help making decisions that is not just for black but for everybody 
all the power is still in white folks. Uh, in Alabama, you have 67 counties, 67, and you only have one black DA in 67 counties. Now, you tell me what's wrong with that picture. Okay, well, Ray, we're sitting in your house now. We got it on a on a sofa here. We got the Universal Declaration of Human Rights on yes. the back of the sofa. Uh, that's important for a man who's been denied the most basic of rights. For absolutely, I mean, I read it daily. I think about human rights. You know, this country that we live in, called America, is always criticizing another country about human rights. And America House is not clean. Uh, American treat his citizen far worse than other countries. It's just what I call uh, America dirty little secret. And I just always wonder how in the world can you criticize other country about their citizen when you exactly do the same thing. So quickly, tell me, just we'll start, what happened to you? Uh, at the age of, early age of 29, uh, the state of Alabama uh, had had two restaurant managers robbed and killed, and they were just out looking for any black male they could find. I just happened to be the one they found. Came and arrested me with no no eyewitness, no fingerprints, no nothing. And my mom owned an old pistol. They came and my, my mom let them had the pistol. They went back and instead of telling the truth, they said that the pistol matched the bullets that they received retrieved from the deceased bodies. That cost me thirty years of my life. Uh, I wish I could say that Alabama made a mistake. I, I, I mean, I would love to be able to say, "Hey, they got it wrong." But Alabama knew exactly what they was doing. The authority knew exactly that their own bullets didn't match that pistol. But in America, when you're black, poor, you can go to uh, prison for the rest of your life. Uh, but Alabama had every intention of executing me for a crime that they knew that I didn't do. So you were 30 years on death row. Yes. Now, I've got my daughter here. She's got a question for you. Yeah. What was your day like at death row and what did you wear? What did you normally have for lunch and dinner? Uh, we wore uh, all white, white pants, white shirts. Uh, dinner and lunch and breakfast was the worst food you could ever eat. Uh, in prison, it is designed for you not to fall in love with it. Uh, it is designed to make you feel less than a human being. And I had to endure 30 years of it, uh, just sitting there eating the worst foods you could possibly ever eat, wearing the same clothes day in and day out. Uh, you only could change clothes every six months. Uh, they'll give you a new pair of pants once every six months. And... Uh, Sitting there, I hate this say, but it was pure hell. That's what my day was like. Every day was pure hell, and I had to find a way to relieve myself from uh, that hell. And so in my mind, I just imagined being being gone, and that's the only way I was able to survive that 30 years of pure hell. 
And you didn't just survive because everyone that knows you now knows that you're a particularly uh, positive, upbeat person. So somehow you came through that experience stronger. Uh, well, I would like to think so. You know, uh, my enemies was trying to have me executed. And I believe that I was given this strength uh, through my faith. I've always believed that uh, no matter what your enemy tried to do for you, if you have God on your side, you will prevail. And this strength just came from uh, the teaching of my mother as a young boy to believe in myself, to never let anyone uh, take anything from me that they don't deserve. I couldn't do a thing about the 30 years because I had been before this so-called justice system, and the justice system sends me to die. But this mind, this joy that I uh, developed while I've been there for 30 years, there's nothing the system could do about it. Uh, they couldn't come in there and say, stop being happy. Uh, stop pretending like you over in England visiting the queen. Stop pretending that you're talking to the queen. There's nothing they could do about that. That's what I found enjoyable. Uh, the fact that I had the upper hand and I could just go where I want, when I want, in my mind. And if they could, they probably would have charged me for escape because I definitely wasn't there. You know. <laughs> uh, I've got. A, okay, my daughter's got another question. What did you want from the state of Alabama, and who? Um, what did you miss the most? Uh, the most, the thing I missed the most was uh, my mother. Uh, my mother was up in age and. Uh, living here all alone, and I just thought that it was a disservice to not only her, uh, but to me to miss all of those years with the mother that I had. I had a loving, kind mother who went beyond the call of duty as a mother uh, to provide for me. Uh, my father lost his mind when I was four, and so my mother didn't stop. She provided me with food, shelter, clothes, uh, whatever I needed, my mother was always there. Listen to Dan Snow's history. Got Anthony Ray Hinton wrongly convicted, spent 28 years on death row. More coming up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. 
Hi there, everyone. I want to tell you about a podcast that I think you'll like. It's called Mysteries at the Museum from Travel Channel. It's narrated by my good friend and host of American History hit, Don Wildman. On Mysteries at the Museum, Don travels across the US to find objects that tell shocking stories of American history. You'll hear about the portrait linked to the first bank robbery in American history and about the failed invention from World War II that became one of the most popular toys for kids. Uncover the secrets behind these incredible objects and learn about the history of war, science, crime, and everything in between. You're going to love this podcast all about the remarkable objects in our treasure houses that are museums. Please go and check it out. Mysteries at the Museum from Travel Channel. So your father lost your mind because he was involved in an industrial accident yes. working in the mines here in, in Birmingham, which is the great industrial city of the South. In a way, your family is, has been a, a great example of, of what happens to uh, working black families here. You've, you've been subject to uh, terrible working conditions and, and industrial practices, uh, travesties of justice. And you're a historian. I mean, it, what what is it over the last decades, over the last centuries, do you think that has that has made your family story what it is? Mm, now that's a little hard to say because you know, uh, strength. Uh, my mom was a strong woman, and can you just imagine having a at least six of us were still in the house when my father lost his mind? But and my mom would work in white people houses. Uh, cleaning, whatever she had to do to provide for us. And so I think the historical point would be that I drew strength from the fact that I could go back and see how she made it. And I knew, even on death row, if my mom can make it, uh, I surely can make it. Because even on death row, I felt I had a little more advantage than she had. And so you draw strength from what you've seen her go through. You draw strength from the fact that she never complained. She just always kept a smile on her face and made it through another day. And that's really what I did. I just drew strength from her or the dabbishness uh, that she had went through. You, you've told me that if people don't know the past, they don't know where they are in the present. What, what is it, what's important about the history of the black community here in Alabama uh, that you think people should know? Well, of all the wrongdoing, all the racism that they had to endure, uh, and uh, that type of uh, uh, thing was that blacks was hung uh, just because they was black. Uh, the fear that was put in black back in the late, the late 60s, uh, afraid to be caught out at night, or... Uh, I want young people especially to know their history. Uh, everything that they think they have as far as equal right, someone had to pay a, a heavy price for that. For instance, Martin Luther King paid a price, gave his life so that we could be better. Even I could be better. And I want young people, white people, everybody to know that for what we have now, there were some people paid a severe price for it. They lost their life uh, simply because they was marching and trying to get equal rights, voting rights. And here we are 200 years later, and here go 
America trying to make it even harder for people of color to vote. And so, uh, one hand, I feel that we made progress, and on the other hand, I feel that we still back in the late 60s. It just done more undercover where you can't see it and recognize it as though back in the 60s it was just out and open. Uh, and I just want young people to stop believing in this American dream. Stop believing that uh, you have the opportunity to be everything you want to do. No, you don't. Or uh, you denied uh, scholarships simply because the color of your skin. You denied interest of a lot of things, a lot of programs that average white person get in America or blacks can't get. But you don't hear nobody really talking about it because they don't want the world to know that America is racist to its core. I'm talking about there's no other country that I think is more racist than America. And I see it every day. Uh, I tend to stay away from it in the sense of I go where I feel I'm welcome or I don't go where I don't think I'm welcome. And so I want young people to understand, uh, too, they need to educate themselves. And the first thing I would ask them to do is pick up history, go and talk to people that know history, because American history book don't have a lot of the history in there. They don't want you to be up on history. They want you to be ignorant. And so I would ask, invite young people to just go out and do their homework and learn the history, because I am a true believer. There's no way you can have a future unless you know your past. Um, do you forgive the people that put you in prison? I do, I, and, and I forgive them not because they have come up to me and said, Mr. Hinton, uh, I'm sorry, will you accept my apology? Uh, no one in the state of Alabama have asked my forgiveness. I don't forgive those people because... They ask me to. I don't forgive them so they can sleep good at night. I forgive them so I can sleep good at night. I forgive them because it is my Christian duty to forgive them. And it would be against everything my mother taught me if I was running around here hating uh, the very people that did this to me. She used to tell me as a young boy, she said, there will be people that dislike you because of the color of your skin. She said, you are not to hate them, you are to pray for them. And so uh, I took that as a, a man, and she is right. It's like, wait, I won't lie. For the first three years that I was on death row, I couldn't think of nothing but revenge, nothing but hatred. And that hatred was making me not smile. It was making me not laugh. It was making me not want to be around anybody. So I know what hatred was doing. It was eating me up inside. And, and I compare it, and I, I apologize to anyone that have it, but I compare it to like cancer. It just slowly eats you up. And so I had to get rid of that hate. And the only way that I could get rid of it is that I had to forgive the men that did this to me. I won't sit here and say it came overnight. It came in a year, but gradually it just left me, and I could feel it when it had left me. I began to smile more. I began to laugh more. I wanted to be around people again. Uh, and so it's not important to me that 
Alabama have yet to do what they're supposed to do. Alabama have not apologized. Alabama have not given me one penny. I got out of prison. I had nowhere to live. I had no clothes. I had nothing. But thank God I had a friend. Uh, him and his wife uh, invited me into their home, uh, bought me clothes. Uh, my family as well, they bought clothes. But I just had to start all over again. I'm talking about a place to live or, or everything I had to go get identification. So it's not like I got out of prison and everything was set up good for me. I had to literally start over from scratch. And in, in uh, on death row, are you held in solitary on, on death row? Yes, you're in solitary for really 24 hours. But every now and then they'll come by and uh, let you go outside uh, and get a breath of fresh air. That's rap, but they will do it occasionally. And but for the most part, you're in solitary, uh, twenty-three hours a day. That's every day, and so uh, you have nothing but time to reflect about life, whether you made good decision or bad decision, or uh, you have time to see the world for what it is. You have time to see people for what they truly are. Uh, it is a thinking thing, a tank, and I used it to think. I used it to hopefully to better myself. And one thing I always believed that I would get out, but I didn't want to get out and have this hate. I wanted to get out and enjoy life. I want to tell people that are going to hear this. You may not have no money. You may not even have a place to live. But there's nothing more important than your freedom. And even with that freedom... You can find sunshine even on a rainy day. You can find warmth on a cold day. And you can find laughter when something is really not funny. I'm telling you, there is nothing in this world that is more important to me than my freedom. I may not have any money. I may not have a car. I may not have nothing. But just to be able to be free, to walk where I want, to go where I want, that's freedom. And for 30 years... I was told where to go, how far I could go, and it put a perspective on me as far as freedom and what it's all stands for. Is Trump going to make um, America great again? And That's good. Uh, I don't think Trump can make America great again, and again, I will ask the question. I would like to know when was America great. Uh, I was born... In 1956, I grew up in a country that was full of racists. I grew up where men was being lynched on a daily basis. I grew up where you couldn't uh, eat in a certain places. Uh, I grew up where you couldn't ride in the front of buses. So I wanted someone to ask Mr. Trump, uh, ask someone uh, important, when was America great? And if you find out, please... Uh, get in touch with me and let me know the answer to that. It's a very challenging conversation for me because I'm someone who's always looked up to America and I'm steeped in the history of the Constitution and the Americans coming helping Britain in the First and Second World War and all the amazing things. So uh, for me, for me, and I suppose that's because I'm an affluent white person, an English-speaking white person, uh, hearing this, I still find it sort of... It, it's something that runs against everything that I deep down sort of believe and understand. So... Well, you know, uh, 
I understand where you're coming from because America haven't showed you they dirty secret. Uh, American heaven and don't want people to know they dirty little secret. Uh, I have no reason to lie on America. America have been good to me. America, in the same token, have been perhaps the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And so I want people to really understand something. America may put on this beautiful face, but when nightfall comes, the true America come out. The backdoor dealers are made. Only the rich is make the decision for everybody in America. Uh, people of color have no say, so they have no power. And that is designed by this great country called America. Uh, America might came and helped the Brits in World War One and Two, but you can bet America did it. Not just because they loved the Brits. They had a motive for doing it. Did you, like, make friends with anybody in death row when you were, like, in your cage? <laughs> uh, yes, I made uh, lots of friends when I was in that cage. Uh, being around people for 30 years, there's no way you can't make friends. Uh, with people, other death row inmates. And not only did I make friends with uh, death row inmates, I would like to think that I made friends with the guards. Uh, you know, I'm warned that I didn't have no animosity toward those guards. They treated me with respect. They treated me like a human being. They didn't put me there. They didn't, excuse me, come to the courthouse and say, uh, spread lies that wasn't true on me. Uh, I realized that they had a job to do, and their job was to keep me in that confinement. And when it was time for me to uh, leave that prison, guess what? Those same guards that locked me up opened that door and escorted me out of the prison. And so they just did their job. And I didn't go there with any hatred toward no guards or anything. I always believe treat human beings with respect. And hopefully all I can do is ask that it give them back to me. And if it's not... It's not, but I'm going to always treat people with respect. You did meet that white supremacist on death row. Yes. Uh, I read, uh, Henry Hayes was his name, and uh, Henry was at the time maybe 19 or 20 when he came to death row. Uh, he had hung a 17-year-old black youth in the middle of the street uh, from the orders of his father who was a grand wizard. And Henry came to death row. And while he was on death row, no blacks mistreated Henry, no blacks uh, threatened Henry at all because they was there for crime as well. And so how can you point the finger at someone else? When you there for the exact same thing, they may not have hung anybody, but they was all there accused of killing someone. And if Hayes was still alive, he would be the first one to tell you that his mother and his father and all the clans member uh, lied to him all his life. They told him this, these bizarre stories that black people was 
are like animals. They had no feeling. They didn't uh, hurt and they didn't cry. We, For some reason, we are built different than white people. Uh, and so when you feed a child at an early age, they believe that, and he believed in that. But when he came to death row and got around blacks, he seen a side that his father and mother didn't tell him. And he seen that black people cared about him, at least the guys on death row cared about him. When Hayes needed something, if someone had it, they gave it to him. Uh, and Hayes was quoted as saying before he was executed, all of his life, his mother and father and his community lied to him, but he learned what true love felt like. He felt uh, learned what compassion felt like, and he got it while he was on death row by blacks. Uh, Henry Hayes left me some books uh, in his will when he was executed. The thing that I've always will remember is that parents, regardless of how you feel, you are to your children to be truthful to them. And there's no reason any white person, in my opinion, can sit down and give their kids a reason to hate anyone, especially black people. Black people have did everything they've been asked to do in this country. They fought for this country. And yet, they are still treated like third-class citizens in this country. Well, uh, the, your book is uh, published. What's it called? Uh, it is called... The sun does shine. Sun does shine. Remarkably optimistic <laughs> title that I think reflects the uh, incredible, incredible positivity and lessons uh, within the book. Good luck with it all, Ray. See you next time. Thank you. And may I say hello to the Queen? <laughs> <laughs> it should, I should say, everyone, the Queen, you developed a relationship with the Queen whilst you were on death row, didn't you? I did. Well, the Queen saved my insanity and... Uh, I would love one day to just say thank you. And she probably would look at me if I could say thank you. And she probably would say, what is he talking about? Thank you. But, you know, I developed this fascination that I escaped mind-wise and went to the palace. And the queen and I had this beautiful, lovely conversation for hours. And and it was one person helping another person, you know, and, uh, and so she will always be a part of someone that I give credit for helping me do those 30 years. Without her, I don't know what I've been able to do it. I think if you met the Queen in real life, she might just know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Uh, I would hope so. But again, I would love to say thank you to her. But if somehow someone can get her message and just tell her that she helped me and didn't even know she was helping someone. I feel we had the history on our shoulders. All this tradition of ours, our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Dan Snow's History. I really appreciate listening to this podcast. I love doing these podcasts. It's a highlight of my career. It's the best thing I've ever done. And your support, your listening is obviously crucial for that project. If you did feel like doing me a favour, if you go to wherever you get your podcasts and give it a review, give it a rating, obviously a good one, ideally, then that would be fantastic and feel free to share it. We obviously depend on listeners, depend on more and more people finding out about it, depend on good reviews to keep the listeners coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe as a special gift. You can also get your first three months for just one pound a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.